All righty, everyone. Welcome to Scooter and the Big Man, episode number 12. We get you all caught up on the MLB playoff pitcher as we only have four teams remaining with the Tampa Bay Rays, Houston Astros, Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Atlanta Braves. We go over some fun stuff that happened on social media with our boy, Andy Martino. We introduce a Yankee fan that we love to hate named John. As we talk about what happened to his beloved Yankees, we talk some former Mets with trust Justin Turner and Travis Darno. And we give you a list of our five best players who've left the Mets and blossomed on after they've played with your orange and blue without further ado, let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Alrighty, guys, welcome back. We only got four teams left. We got Rays, Astros, Dodgers, Braves. PJ, how are we feeling about the MLB playoffs right now? I mean, I couldn't be feeling better. I mean, the I, it would be better if the Braves weren't in there, but you know, we we we'll get it more into it later. The Yankees being out is just the highlight of my life, the highlight of my week. So your the Yankees are gone. However, so are your Miami Marlins. Are you upset about that? I mean, that was your fact, your favorite fact ever. My and favorite fact the ever. Playoff series. It's a uh, you know it's the fake season, so it doesn't count. That's what that's my that's a slant I'm going with. It doesn't count. So are you saying the Miami Marlins have never lost a playoff series? Still, the Miami Marlins have never lost a playoff series. Yes. They've lost a, a playoff series in a real season, yes. All right, here. They've never lost a playoff series in a 162-game regular season, uh, postseason. They've never lost a playoff series in Miami. Yes, okay. I'm good with that. There we go. Yeah. They've, nev- they've never lost a playoff series when they play in Miami. Yeah. So, congrats to the Florida Marlins continuing their streak. Um, all right. So... I don't know how I feel about the Marlins, and I think I kind of want to start there, which is like an interesting spot to start with all the drama and action that we've had. I kind of want to start low and and build up, if you will. Okay. How do you how do you think a Marlins fan feels? First off, I don't know how many there are. I don't think there really are many, but you feel good, right? Like you have to feel really good about this season. So my roommate's a Marlins fan. The one and only. Yeah, and uh, he was. I mean, he was hyped. Obviously didn't uh, didn't think that would be there, so this is like a, a cool thing. Uh, I think he's just excited for like some of the guys that have like Sixto, uh, fucking Sandy Alcantara. These guys are really like really good pitchers that I, as a Mets fan, am kind of scared of uh, going in, going forward. Those pitchers, and they have like they have like kind of a cool team of of random former veteran of r- random veterans like Jesus Aguilar, Corey Dickerson, Matt Joyce, along with. Like I said, those pitchers. So like they, they have a team to build around. And Brian Anderson. I really like Brian Anderson on their team. Are you so like where are you right now? Like fast forward 2021. Way too early prediction, but where are the Miami Marlins finishing in the standings? I think it's it's tough because as bad as like, you know, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Mets performed this year. I still think those are all teams that are going to be competitive next year. So I don't know if it was just the the random season that those that every team just wasn't able to get that extra push later in the year that they didn't have. I think they might be competitive, but they'll still finish fifth place. They'll still finish in last, but they'll be like a competitive team in, in sense. 
I'm I'm nervous for you with this, and not fully. But if they if they don't finish last, that's a clip. It's gonna sound it's gonna sound middleman again, but they have the young pieces to be good. I just think it's gonna take more than one year. But this this is like a, a big 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 step because nobody thought, especially with you know COVID killing their team early in the season. I just think there's still another year away, at least from you know any sort of real contention in in this division. All right, so we got a lot of playoff series that we could talk about, and I'm gonna let you kind of choose our path here. So we got the Padres and Dodgers. Um, we have the Athletics and Astros. We have a huge, huge interview uh, with a buddy of of ours named John, who's a diehard Yankee fan. So we're gonna save the Yankees race talk. I promise there's gonna be a lot from that series in that interview. So we're not going to get too deep into it, but where, where would you like to talk next? Let's go. Uh, let's go over San Diego and, uh, and LA. Cause even though they didn't show up, they didn't show out in that series really much. I, the Padres are so fun to watch, man. I've said this so many times on this podcast, but I'm very excited as a baseball fan. So, it kind of felt like the the Padres magic kind of ran out and they felt like one of those teams. And it was similar almost with the White Sox in the regular season where you felt like this like special feeling about them where you're like, I think they can make a run. And they celebrated in the fucking streets of San Diego for, for beating a, you know, a not, I don't want to say like, I don't want to insult the Cardinals, but like, that's not like a powerhouse Cardinals team that you knocked out. They didn't even play and, a full season. And you barely you barely knocked them out and they celebrated in the streets. They were freaking out in the wild card round, which is not even like a real round. It's just like a fucking play in round to get to the real playoff baseball. And they face the juggernaut Dodgers and the Dodgers just fucking sweep them right out of the contest. And I mean, you, you, you want to root for the magic. You want to root for these teams that haven't been there. And the Dodgers literally just suck the life out of this team. I think there's some, I, yeah, like I said, them celebrating the streets uh, over a while. I get it. They haven't been relevant in a while. And this is, a, a, I don't, I don't, tell me if you agree with this. They're, they're approaching like a darling MLB team, like a team that everyone loves. The Padres? Yeah. Ah, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Pat, do you like the Padres? Uh, Slam Diego? Yeah, I love Slam Diego. They're uh, Tatis, Tatis Jr. He's the future, bro. I don't okay. know. I, I that could just be me because I I've been I've been saying it the entire time. But yeah, it was kind of a wake up call that maybe they're not as ready as they uh, looked in the regular season or at all because yeah, the Dodgers worked them. And there's something to be said with Clevenger getting hurt and Dilson Lamet not being there either. That their two of their top pitchers were just not available. But yeah, maybe they're. Maybe I was a little too quick on the gun with the Padres, and maybe they're just a year year or two off from being that real World Series contender. I'm going to flip it a little bit on you. Do you think it could be the other thing? Do you think it's maybe not the, the Padres weren't ready or not, like, talented enough, but, like, are we just sleeping on how fucking good this Dodgers team is? Like this, Do- this Dodgers team, you could go to every single position that they put out there. Their starting nine is fucking insanity. Their rotation is terrific, and they have, like, plus arms in the bullpen. They have two guys in the outfield who've won fucking MVPs, and they have probably one of the greatest pitchers of all time 
in their rotation. Granted, we know playoff Kershaw's history, but I think he's done a nice job over the last few years to smooth it a little bit. He still will throw like a clunker every once in a while, but he's he's definitely smoothed this postseason uh, reputation slightly. I was going to say, yeah, the last few years, the Dodgers being there, Kershaw there, he's looked like maybe not at all times like Kershaw-esque, but he's looked good. He's been a good postseason pitcher over the last few years. So I think that might have dispelled a little bit of the playoff Kershaw hate or rumor, or I don't know what I'm trying, what word I'm looking for. But anyway, yeah, I, I think I slept in the Dodgers a little bit just because of the postseason history of the last few years being like this team just chokes uh, way too often. And I, I was maybe thinking more with my, my heart than my head that I wanted to see the Padres there. Uh, so Pat's sleeper team has, has yet again uh, proved me wrong. You know, I'm going to tell you something kind of fun. I was going to save this, but I like where we're at right now. Okay. Um, we're talking playoff history and all this fun jazz. The Los Angeles Dodger with the most hits in franchise history in the playoffs is Justin Turner. Justin Turner has the most playoffs hits for a fucking Dodger. And that that's including when they played in Brooklyn. That's their entire franchise history. No one has more playoff hits than fucking former New York Met, Justin Turner. He has 64 hits. And I saw somebody quote tweeted this. It was somebody on Mets Twitter. I'm sorry, I forgot who's, who did it. So, But somebody did say it. It wasn't us. That Justin Turner once had like 57 hits in a, an entire season for the New York Mets. And this man has 64 hits in the playoffs. Like Justin Turner, I have no bad feelings for Justin Turner. I loved Justin Turner when he was a Met. I was like always bummed out that we never like offered him or tendered him a contract. Um, I would imagine you feel the same on that. Like, is, do you have any bad feelings for no, Justin Turner? I, no, I couldn't say a bad word about Justin Turner. Pat can Pat say something bad about Justin Turner though. Oh, his swing is atrocious. It is like it's physically impossible to use it in MLB the show. I know I've, I've said it like two episodes back. It's honestly like Brian was there when I was playing. It's just it's god awful. It's impossible. He basically hits the ball with the, the butt of the bat, and I'm done. But yeah, I I, I like <laughs> Justin Turner. I can't really say anything bad on him. But we uh, a little uh, foreshadowing. We're gonna talk about more uh, uh, Mets blossoming later in the later in the show. All right, so let's make our way down to another series that's going on. Well, it's it is over now. The the Houston Astros they're in the ALCS. And honestly, I I, I mean, I predicted it. My AL prediction was Astros Rays with Rays winning, but it's just even it feels so bizarre. It feels so bizarre that they were able to to do this and get back to this point. I mean, they're just a good team. Like they 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 did not perform in the regular season. I don't know if that was because they were just like on their toes of people trying to uh, throwing at them and that entire uh, debacle of fucking last year and all their cheating and stuff. They were just dead in their heads. But when you when you break it down, they are just good at fucking baseball. Like George Springer had tore it up that series. He might have he had like three or four homers. Jose Altuve was fucking destroying the ball. Like those guys are. Like you can make you can say the the trash cans and and all that stuff and like kind of pretend that they're not actually good players. It's scummy what they did, but you can't deny it. They're good. They're just fucking insane players. I mean, there's a couple of different stances I kind of have on this whole series. First thing that like we are all in agreement that whatever juiced baseballs 
we were using in the regular season of 2019, they didn't really seem that prominent during the 2020 60 game season. Those fucking baseballs are back. They're back in full force. The amount of home runs that we are seeing just in the playoffs or like alone is fucking insanity. Just, just this series alone with the Astros and athletics, it was like a home run derby every fucking game. What are you, what are your thoughts on juice balls as a fan? So before I answer that, I, I kind of like threw up in my mouth again. And I, I know I don't mac want this part cut. No, not for mac and cheese. Pat like lifted his arms and this man has the hairiest fucking armpits I have ever this seen is, in my entire is, life. Um, and I'm physically distraught from the sight I saw when this right. man just lifted his arms I'm, on Zoom. I'm putting my sweatshirt on. Please, I'm not, not going to be objectified. I can't. I can't. Now you know him, how it I feels can't. to be objectified go, go on this lay podcast. down on the front lawn of your house, and when they cut your grass, just put your arms up. Yeah. That is fucking insane. Put that on. I'm putting, I'm putting the sweatshirt on now. Yeah, you know, please. The, you know why I can't Jesus. cut my, my arms? Why? No, I told you. Little kids peer pressured me in the cutting room with scissors one time, and they were too prickly. I can put my hands, my arms down for a week. It seems like dramatic. How do I feel about juiced balls as a baseball yeah, fan? Get, get back to baseball, <laughs> man. Great question. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to hate them and I don't. Is that, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Like, I feel like everyone's like, they're bad for the game. Baseball's doing all this stuff. But it's like, honestly, like, I, I don't, I, I don't hate them. I don't, I don't hate juice balls as much as I feel like I'm supposed to. I don't. I mean, that's your stance. Like, can't tell you if you're wrong, but I'm gonna say that I think it's except like in the 2019 regular season, I think that was really fucking excessive. Like that was too too much. And it's exciting. I get you want to grow the game, but uh, baseball, we've we've mentioned on previous podcasts how you can grow the game is not being fucking stupid and letting people uh, expand it for you, so you don't have to do this. But home runs are always gonna be fun. And I get that. I'm more. I'm more on the opposite side where I don't want to see the juice balls. I think it kind of uh, destroys the game. I, I don't want to say destroys the game. It, it hurts the game a little bit as a as kind of a diehard fan size. It's cool for like a casual fan to just like see a bunch of homers. But as I don't know, I'm not about it. Do you think Pete Alonso wins? Uh, not wins, but like gets the rookie home run record without juice balls. It's tough to say that he would. Because, you know, he, as everyone, everyone had a few of those homers that were looked like they were going to be like pop-ups and they just they just barely went out. So as much as I hate to say it, I don't think he would. But he would still have hit 45. He, he would have still been up there as like one of the better, as like one of the best rookie seasons in terms of home runs. I think it's also like just super impressive. And I, I we talk about Jacob DeGrom and everything and what he's capable of doing. But like with this whole juiced ball thing and like with all the home runs and, and the way everything's been happening, how dominant he's been throughout these like last three years of this kind of becoming a thing is just it's so it's so much more impressive that he's able to dominate at this level when like literally like a one handed like left handed like fucking poke is going like 400 feet and DeGrom's just fucking sawing guys off and just embarrassing them. Like, yeah, I don't want to get too much on DeGrom, but, like, just the fact that he's that dominant is – it's ridiculous. It's impressive. He's not, nothing more to say and flat out impressive. All right, so I got a lot – I got a lot on the Astros, and yeah. I I almost don't want to do this. Talk your talk. Talk that shit. You're going to – you have no idea where I'm going. I'm I about know exactly to, where you're going. I am going to defend Andy Martino. I didn't know where you were going. You're right. 
I am going to defend the man I live to hate. Who are you? I love to hate. All right. Let me give you some backstory. Okay. Andy Martino tweets. This is quotes. This is him, not me. Astro players are telling people behind the scenes that they're mad and they want to avenge being called haters. Lance McCullers, pitcher for the Houston Astros, quote tweets to tweet. And he goes, fake news. And they're focused on the idea of winning because it's the playoffs. Josh Reddick, Astros outfielder, replies to the tweet saying, stirring the pot, Andy? No one has said this. Now, just from that part, it sounds like I'm insulting Andy Martino. Here's where I'm going to defend him. So the Astro players are publicly going on Twitter right now, social media being like, we don't feel that way. We don't feel like we have to avenge anything. We're just playing baseball because we like to play baseball. We want to win because it's the playoffs. That's what we care about. You could agree with that if Carlos Correa hasn't been out on his fucking soapbox screaming to the heavens about like how like, oh, what are they going to say about us now? What are they? And he's like so aggressive in every post-game interview about like, Everybody hates us. No one wants us to be here. And he's so fucking chatty. Meanwhile, you have like Lance McCullers being like, no one, no one has said that. And like Josh Raddick, no one said that. Stop stirring the pot. It's like every interview, like Carlos Correa gets, he's screaming it after the twin series. And then after the, um, they beat the athletics, uh, Maldonado, who is like the last person who should be talking on social media about offense or anything. He goes, uh, they wanted us and they got us. So it's like, pick, pick what you're going to do, Astros. Are you going to try to be like the quiet cheaters that are trying to make your way back to the, to win a title? And yeah, you know what? I don't want that storyline, but it's an interesting storyline, at least to follow. Or are you just going to be like cocky as fuck and be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck. We don't care. We cheated. We won a world series and we're so fucking good. Now we're just going to do it without cheating. I hate the back and forth, Both like players are doing both on either side. So Andy Martino got a lot of like shit on Twitter for this. I actually, I, I don't think he deserved it because the Astros have publicly had both takes and have went back and forth, back and forth. And you know, you know, they're fucking saying it. Why wouldn't you say it? If you're in that locker room right now, why wouldn't you feel like fuck everyone for talking shit about us? Even though we know they're cheaters, we know they're scumbags. We know all this stuff about them. But like, why wouldn't you just use that as motivation? Why wouldn't you just be like, let's just shut everyone the fuck up just to be like, look, we won a title and we didn't cheat. Happy? Like, is everyone fucking happy now? I kind of like them more if they uh, if they just literally went out and been like, yeah, fuck it. We did it. We'll just do it again. Do full heel. Yeah. Go full, full heel. heel turn. Do it because that's the better stance to take than this 50-50. It's so yeah. much better. If you everyone, I, everyone loves a good storyline. If you need a if you need to have a good storyline, you need a good villain. And the Astros could be that villain. And sometimes and this is different. This isn't a fucking movie. This is baseball. This is real life. Like the villain wins sometimes. And like I would be interested in the storyline that happens from an Astros winning a World Series. Do I want the Astros to win the World Series? No. Do I want them in it? No. But is that storyline not fucking enticing? Is that storyline not good for baseball? It's a hundred percent is. It's interesting. Like, like you said, everyone wants a storyline as a wrestling fan. I know a good storyline. The Astros are just the Vince McMahon of the attitude era. They're just the ultimate heel. And I just, I do wish they would just lean into that and be like the whole fuck you tour of, of fucking last season. But 
I think the most shocking thing is you defending Andy Martino in any in any fact or fiction. I mean, he's he's still he still loves to he lives to get ratioed. I don't care what he says. He he lives for it. Yeah, it he feels he doesn't. It feels great. He's lying. It feels great for him, and I know that. But um, I didn't like all the shit he was getting, and uh, Jarek Robbins from Barcelona even like openly defended him with like a similar take, just being like, "Have you not heard everything Carlos Correa has been saying after every fucking thing?" Like all of a sudden, nobody's saying this. Just go full heel turn Astros. Be the fucking evil villain assholes that we know you are. And everyone's going to love to hate you. And it's going to feel even better when you win the World Series because everybody fucking hates you. Just get get the whole world against you and then just flip everybody off. And that is going to be so fucking interesting. And that's what they need to do. I'm, they're trying to like do this back and forth. Like, no, we're good Samaritans. We're just trying to play baseball and have fun. And then the other half of them are like, fuck you. We're coming for everybody's ass. Pick, pick a side and pick the evil side. Make it interesting. Yeah. I'm, I just want to put out there while we're talking to the, at the Ashers and then we'll move on to this. Uh, I'm just pro any team that beats the Yankees. So Astros raise. Uh, Astros have uh, that slight knot in my book just because they beat the Yankees. So, but let's move on. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Atlanta Braves. This is the farthest that they've went probably in over a decade, uh, making it to the NLCS. I feel like they haven't fully been tested yet. The Reds kind of laid an egg. The Marlins are not ready for this. So I feel like with the Padres, we overhyped the Padres, but we also underestimated how good the Dodgers were. With the Braves, I feel like we don't know what the Braves are. Not and that. we don't, we're through two playoff series and we still don't know. We, this pitching has been lights out for them, but the Braves aren't known for their pitching. So, how, I mean, you, who'd you shut out? You shut out the Reds and you shut out the Marlins. All right, now you got to go beat the Dodgers. Yeah, they didn't really face any, any juggernauts to, to say the least. I mean, I said they beat the Reds when the Reds looked fucking terrible. The Marlins, as I said, as we said before, just probably weren't ready for this spot yet. So yeah, I have no idea what the Braves are. They could just be really good. Like I mean, they have guys I know are really good. Like I know Ronald Acuna is really good. I know Freddie Freeman's really good. But it's like Max Fried ready for that big game against the Dodgers? I don't know. Is this is this team as it as a whole ready to go against the best team in the NL? Who knows? We just have no fucking clue. They, like I said, Freeman and Acuna are really good. So they're going to give a fight. If I had to give kind of a prediction in a sense, I think this might, this will be a series, but I still think the Dodgers would take it in six. I I think it ends in five. I I really don't think the Braves really going to put up much of a fight. I think the offense is really good, but I, I, I can't see them competing with the Dodgers pitching wise. I will say this though. And I, I, I was going to save it. No need to save it. We're here now. Travis Darno. I got a little thing I got to share about Travis Darno. First here. off, let's just talk about his stats since taking off a Mets uniform. Yeah. Okay. Man has played 140 games. In 140 games, Travis Darno has 27 home runs and 106 RBIs. That's including the playoffs in 140 games. Over 100 RBIs, 27 homers. That's fucking ridiculous. It, it's it's just fucking, man. It's hard to watch. I'll, I'll say it as it is. It's annoying. It's annoying to watch. And he was supposed to be the guy 
in that like everyone forgets that the Ari Dickey trade was not the Noah Syndergaard trade. That was the Travis Darno trade. They were getting Darno and Syndergaard was like the the extra throw in, and it sucks. Darno just never could stay healthy, never could get the consistent reps on the Mets. And I think there is something to be said that guys just need a change of scenery to get better or be in a different spot. I know you're 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 gonna tell me that you know. Oh, don't say that Travis Darno wouldn't do this with the Mets. Not saying that if he was healthy, he wouldn't be doing this, but there is something to be said where you just need a different spot to, to blossom, different uh, eyes on you to maybe want, correct something. I want you to help me with this because I'm trying to piece it together because I, I do go back and forth in my head all the time with it. Mm-hmm. And it's mainly because I, I see on like Facebook and I see on Twitter, like I see all these different Mets fans take on it. And like I find myself conflicted with it all the time. Travis Darno was with the Mets for like seven seasons. So the Mets gave him seven seasons to blossom. That is a lot of fucking time. So are the Mets wrong for trying to move on from a player that didn't really fully pan out after seven seasons? No. Uh, Was he always hurt during that time? Yeah, for the most part. So I like to look back at 2015. Uh, Travis Darno got off to a blazing hot start in 2015 for the New York Mets. People kind of forget this because he did go down with an injury in the middle of that year. Um, but through his first 52 games, he was hitting over 300. He had a 369 on base percentage. He had 12 home runs and he had 40 RBIs. That is basically what Travis Darno is doing right now when he was with the Rays and when he's with the Braves. So people are always like, he never showed that he could do this. He never proved anything with like that. He could be capable of this type of player with the Mets. It's not true. It's not. Was he always hurt? Yes, 100%. Did you ever get a full season out of him to be like, look at this one full year to use as my big like stake sample size? No, you never got that. But through 52 games for in 2015, the year that they, they go to the postseason, and he wasn't great in the postseason. He was bad against the Dodgers. He was okay against the Cubs. He had two home runs, but he still hit like 230 against the Cubs. He just mm-hmm. had two home runs. Everyone remembers the home run off the apple, but it's not like he was hitting for average. And then he was non-existent against the Royals in the world series. So I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm asking you is like, where am I on Travis or Did the Mets give up on him too early or, or Met fans like just be like, Oh, he's injury riddled. He's a bust. Like where, where are you? I'm, I, I keep hearing both sides. So I, I think the biggest problem with the whole Darno debacle, I, I don't know if debacle is the right word, but that whole situation is the fact that they tendered him a contract and then just cut him quickly after. Like, I, I think, I think it would be a different story if they just didn't resign. They're like, Hey, we gave, we gave you, like you said, seven years to, to try and figure this out. Like it's just not working right now. I don't think there's any problem with moving on from a guy that just didn't work on your team, but to give him the contract and then cut him immediately. That was where I think it, it stuck in uh, in Mets fans heads. But do you, it's it's tough because like I said, change of scenery matters. That that matters for players. Different stadiums matter. Different pitching staff matters. Different eyes. So, like you said, the I'm torn on this too. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I really, I really, I'm, I'm struggling to give you an answer here. Similar with Justin Turner, though. For me, I don't have a zero, per, like zero percent of bad blood towards this man. Like, I don't, I don't, Travis Darno could hit as many home runs against the Mets as he really wants. And I'm not going to be like, I hate Travis Darno. I'm not going to say I hate Travis Darno. I'm going to get annoyed if he keeps doing it with the Braves. 
but that's, that's just because I hate the Braves. Like if if you were to if you if you kept with like the Rays, fucking hit all the homers you want. Be the fucking best player. I'll root for you. But with the Braves, I just physically can't do that. Who right now? Uh, let's kind of like wrap up our playoff talk here. Mm-hmm. Right now, we got four teams left. Just quickly, who who's your World Series matchup? I'm gonna stick with my Rays. I doubted them from from the Yankee series, but I'm gonna stick with the Rays and I'm gonna go with the Dodgers. I've I've slept on them long enough. I, I mean, I picked Rays Dodgers early. I mean, I picked Rays uh, Padres early on. No, sorry, I picked Rays Reds because I had the Reds winning the World Series. That uh, yeah, that did. Um, I I'm on the Astros right now. And I know I have the in my initial prediction, I have Rays beating them. But like, I, I really think this Astros team is on that fuck you tour, but they're being quiet about it. I think if they make it to the World Series, that fuck you tour is going to be really loud. I would like to point out as we're recording this, the Rays just did win game one and they're up one nothing. I still stand by that. OK, I just want I just want to, to throw that out there. But you don't think no. I'm fucking paying attention? No, I don't. I'm not. I had no idea that game just ended. I didn't think so. No. <laughs> Pat, cut that out. Rays are definitely going to take this series. <laughs> All right. So we've kind of hyped up our our friend John, and we've hyped up the the Yankees and the Rays big series and everything that took place that eliminated the New York Yankees. So what we did is we brought on our friend who is a diehard New York Yankee fan, and you're probably going to hate him by the end of it because we hated him the entire time this interview was going on. Um, we multiple times, you're going to see that tried to end this interview and keep it within like a 10 minute time span. And he just wouldn't shut the fuck up. So without further ado, everyone, this is John. All right. So I feel like this is like a long time coming, but we have our friend John on now. And John is a diehard Yankee fan. We actually talk shit about him at the end of episode 11. So I feel like it's only fair that we get him on the airwaves so he can defend himself. So let's just start with a simple. John, welcome to Scooter and the Big Man. Scooter, Big Man. First time. First time. I fucking hate you. (laughs) Yeah, I already hate him. (laughs) Same. All right. So we want our listeners to kind of get acquainted to you. So Pat has prepared some questions and he's just going to go rapid fire with you. Just like, so. You got your producer doing the work for you guys. You can't. Yeah, do I, Yankee I, questions. I got some I got some hot, hot topic questions and I really want to throw you away, John. We so, want to prove right. your fandom right off the bat. Your Yankee yeah. fandom. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll start off easy. Pretty interested. Uh, who's your all time favorite Yankee who doesn't have their number retired? Oh, ooh, that's a good one, actually. Uh, all time favorite Yankee. You know, not the question is Jorge Posada. But um, is his number retired? His number is retired. And you didn't answer the question. Yeah. So uh, that's look at that. One. Stumped him on the first question. Are we talking current or all? Oh, just all. We're answer talking the fucking all, question. We're talking all-time favorite Yankee whose number isn't retired. <laughs> Mike Mussina. All right. I don't know who okay. that is. So we're going to move on to the next question. Uh, speaking of Yankees, uh, what's your favorite Civil War battle? <laughs> um, battle uh, Fort Sumter. Oh, that's such a front runner. All right. Uh, and my last question, this is actually a question I've had and no one's been able to answer it. Why okay. are the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League when they're not in America? 
That is a great question. I'll, like, I'll give you that. Um, why are they even in Major League Baseball? I'll go one further. I mean, the 93-94 season, yeah, that's the highlight of their career. Oh, my favorite but, uh, season, yeah. Early exit this year for them, I'll tell you that. Vlad Guerrero Jr., not, uh, not panning out to be everything he was advertised. Yeah, good point. Is that all you got, Pat? <laughs> yeah. He, did, wasn't he in the home run derby, though? Didn't he like come in second to uh, your, your boy Pete Alonzo? Sure fucking that's did. There you go. That's that's my one Vladdy uh, fact I know. There you go. Right. Let's get right. a yeah, well, thank let's you. Get was, you handled that pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry the Civil War battle. I'm professional. It's not my first rodeo. All right. So we brought we obviously brought you on here to talk about sure. to talk you guys about the because you begged you begged girl. us to be on here. Also. Oh, you two are as giddy as a schoolgirl when the Yankees got knocked out in no. the LDS. You couldn't wait to have me on. We're, we're professionals no. here. We are no. we are unbiased on these airwaves. Completely yeah. unbiased. We, we, we've said many times, we, we will not talk about the Yankees. Yeah, we don't talk negatively about the Yankees. We're rooting for a World Series matchup. Of course you. You're the little brother right now. How, how, why would you talk all, about the Yankees? All baseball wanted the Yankees-Astros ALCS. Uh, yeah, the Astros are there, and only half of only half of that happened. I'll tell you what, John Carlos Stanton was standing in the middle of Petco Park, bat in hand, you know, just flipping it, ready for the Astros to come land over those mountains into San Diego. Uh, it is a letdown. I would have loved to seen that matchup. Absolutely, uh, I think we would have won tonight. Would have been Game One, ALDS. I wouldn't have been on this podcast right now. I would have rescheduled. So I think we kind of have to talk right away about like the most pivotal point of the series and I think that has to be game two when you're looking back at it the the New York Yankees tried to outsmart the smartest team probably in the entire league and you hear quotes from like especially like A-Rod even said it on air was like that's not your game that's not this type of like style of baseball the Yankees play yeah. What are, what were your thoughts with that decision and just to give everyone if you don't know the decision was basically to throw uh, Debbie Garcia in game two to get the Rays to produce a lefty heavy lineup. And then after an inning, they pull Garcia and they put in the lefty hat. Um, so John, give us your feedback right away off of what you thought just watching game two kind of unfold in front of you. Well, in, in all serious, I can make a million jokes right now, but in all seriousness, let me ask you this question first before I answer that. Who do you think is responsible for that decision? I mean, that's got to fall on Boone, I would imagine. See, no, I completely disagree. Everyone's coming after Boone on that. Um, let's not forget the reason Aaron Boone is the manager, and it's not Joe Girardi. Uh, why Girardi's in Philadelphia right now is because of the general manager. It, it all comes down to Brian Cashman. And this is the new wave of baseball you're seeing where these GMs are taking on this ultra role now where they want to make decisions on game day. And that is exactly what you saw in game two. That is not a Boone decision. That is a Brian Cashman decision. That came down from the top. What and all, that was the full. I was say, what are your actual fucking, uh, sorry to cut you off. What are your uh, thoughts on Aaron Boone as a manager? Because I, I know a lot of Yankee fans fucking hate him. I want to see your, your take because it seems like you're defending him. No, I do like Aaron Boone. I mean, look at my shirt. I've got two shirts on right now. They both say savages on it. I love Booney. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a good manager. He rallies the troops. And you cannot deny that. And that it's something to be said. There's a lot of managers in baseball right now that just go through the motions. Their players do not stand behind them. And Aaron Boone, you cannot deny that he's got, you know, the players got his back. 
and that's great. And I think Booney is a good manager. Uh, he is not perfect for sure. He can overmanage at times inside the game. Um, you saw it. Uh, game five, you saw, or game four, actually, first, they split the bullpen, Britain and Chapman. Even there, you're just waiting for a disaster to happen. When they take Britain out of the eighth inning with two outs, he, he was effortless. The guy puts everyone down, one, two, three. He goes out there again, second inning, one, two. I've never seen Zach Britton look as good as he looked in game four. Hands down. Zach Britton looked like an all-star in game four, and they take him out you know, with one out left in the eighth to bring in Chapman. And luckily it broke in their favor. They get the win. They go on to game five, same song and dance there. In what happened course, game five? I missed that. <laughs> Hold on. We're not, we're not at game five yet. I, I still want to know more about game two. Yeah. yeah so, we'll, all right. So you big man cut me off. <laughs> Listen, so That's scooter, bro. Yeah. Do, you, do your viewers know with that you are not scooter and he's not the big the man? amount of people that have come up to me and they're like, so are, are you scooter or like the big man? And I'm like, that's, that's not how this works, but yeah, I mean, we're not going to get into that a yet. name with two names and it's two hosts. I mean, it's a, it's a Gary Cohen call. Hold John. on. We're talking you, about, you, we're going to get on Aaron Boone for his decision that you guys make such a short sighted decision on your name there. Oh my God. All right. Who's listen, really under fire. All right. You apparently us. No. <laughs> All right. So this is, you're actually probably one of the first people that I've heard blame Cashman for that, which is an interesting take. It's Cashman. It's Cashman's fault. Regardless of the decision, it happened. Right. Were you like thinking in the moment, like, oh, what a play, like this might work? Or were you immediately like, no. oh, what the fuck are we doing? No, um, I have concern going into game two um, with Garcia getting the ball. I didn't know if he was going to be ready for the big moment. That first inning wasn't smooth. It wasn't smooth, but he did get out of the inning. And listen, we're talking about a young kid here, 21 years old, pitching game two of the American League Divisional Series against – you know, a lot of talk, Yankees-Red Sox, that's cute. You know, Yankees-Red Sox was the biggest rivalry in baseball. It's not the same rivalry that it was back in 03, 04. It's not that anymore. Right now, honestly, you're looking at Yankees-Rays as one of the top rivalries. Not the top, but it's one of the tops um, in the game right now. So you're throwing Garcia out there in a pressure pack situation. And, I, you know, as a fan, I was worried going in. And he got through that first inning because let's not forget, Luis Severino was faced with a very similar situation going back a few years ago in the American League wildcard game against the Minnesota Twins. He had a nightmare first inning. In fact, I think I was with you watching that nightmare first inning. Yeah, that's right. The three of us were there. And I thought the game was over. Uh, luckily, he got bailed out by his offense, Didi Gregorius, with a huge uh, three-run home run in the bottom of the first. They got those runs right back. Huge. But – he bailed him out and you thought Garcia would have a similar start, but no, it wasn't as bad as Severino's. Uh, he got through that first inning. And I think once he got through the first inning, that's when you have to keep him in, uh, keep him in until it really does start to look bad. Cause that first inning nerves are up. You, fastball command is off. You see it all the time. Even Tyler glass. Now, I mean, granted he was pitching on two days rest. That's insane, but he makes cash look like a genius as all the rays always do typically. Um, but he got through that first inning. So I thought the move was 100% to keep Garcia in that game. And they did. They went to Jay Happ. And it, listen, Jay Happ gave you exactly what you expected. Exactly what you expected. And I don't know 
if the thought was, hey, we're going to throw one past the Rays, we're going to fool them. But no, if you do the Rays, how do you come into that game and not say, hey, this guy may lay an egg the first inning and we may get a reliever? Who are they going to go to? Well, Chad Green pitched in game one. So, you know, it's probably not going to be Chad Green getting you a lot of innings. So who else? But, you know, by deduction, you're looking at Jay Happ. He's on the roster. You figure he's going to get the ball at some point. They knew. They weren't fooling anyone. It was a terrible, terrible decision. Looking back, do you say, hey, does that cost the Yankees the series? It might. You know, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. You look back at it, you never know what will happen. But that was a huge, huge mistake. But I do not blame Aaron Boone for it. That I is think, on Cashman. I think when you look at this series at a whole, it's hard to not look at game two and and think that that's like the, the turning point and like the most pivotal thing. Like, I think if the Yankees won the series, you kind of like it's a sigh of relief after that. But the fact that they lost the series, it's like, all right, well, what went wrong? And like, it's almost impossible to not look at that decision and be like, this might have been the reason we got bit in the ass. And this might be the reason we lost the series. Something that also doesn't help. And I'm actually going to say something nice about Garrett Cole, because I feel like we've talked a lot of shit about Garrett Cole, but there's really no Never. need to talk about the talk shit about him. He he stepped up and he pitched well, honestly, in the playoffs for the most part. Um, I don't know about you, and, and I, you might just be like, you might defend it right away. But had you listened to like the postgame interviews at all? Yeah. All With right. Lauren so. Shihadi, like 90 yards away. No, uh, well, not even, not, not that. Mike Stan that just looks incredibly uncomfortable. The whole yeah. Place. But like, even like when they do their like zoom press conference and oh, everything, yeah, like absolutely. every time I hear Garrett, about Lauren talk, Shahadi? I'm sorry to cut you off real quick. Lauren Shahadi. That's, that's Bay right there, but okay. Back to you. Jesus Christ. God damn it, John. Um, Garrett Cole <laughs> never sounds confident. Like he always says the right thing, but he always says it as if like, he's like, so he feels he's supposed to say that answer, but he never, ever sounds confident. He doesn't like believe in what he's saying. No, he he knows what he's supposed to say, but it's always like a uh yeah, I I I want the ball. It was no question I'm going to get the ball. <laughs> Dude, you make 36 million dollars a year. They paid you a 300 million dollar contract. No shit you're getting the ball. <laughs> you don't have to ask for it. Who are they going to give it to? Yeah, uh, listen, a little of that is getting just used to the New York media, I think. I he is a confident guy. Uh, obviously, look at him. Look at him on the mound. You can't tell me he's not a confident guy. I just don't think that that translates in his interviews right now. I think it's just a New York adjustment. Maybe he gets used to it. Maybe he doesn't. But listen, he's pitching great. John, since we're on the topic of Garrett Cole, I have to, I, I have to just ask this question. And mm-hmm. honest opinion, not as a, not as a Yankee fan, as a baseball fan. You know, who's the best? Who's a better pitcher? Yeah, who's a better pitcher? Degrom or Cole? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we were just talking about. It. I just have to get that that out here listen i want to see Degrom in the playoffs more and i don't feel like that's not a fair thing to say look at i mean there's a lot of pitchers that you know come out in the regular season and they're great garrett cole the narrative would be very different on garrett cole if he went out there in the regular season and was putting up zeros but then he gets to the postseason and lays an egg now Degrom, i agree he has gone through a run in 2015 he had you know went did a great job but it's such a small sample size. I want to see more of Let's, Jacob DeGrom. You're, you're penalizing Jacob DeGrom for the fact that the Mets couldn't put it together. Just from the baseline stats, from what you see as a pitcher, I mean, listen, better? I, I don't feel I'm penalizing him. If you talk it sounds regular, like you are. If you, you talk regular, if you talk regular season and consistency, I'm going to tell you that Jacob DeGrom has proven that he's a better pitcher than Garrett Cole. 
Garrett Cole did not go out and do that this year. He absolutely did not. When you had a Yankees-Rays series in the middle of the season, and Garrett Cole, it was a must-win at the time. They got to go out there and they got to win. They're losing ground on the Rays. And he goes out there and he just lays an egg. I mean, first, it was over in the first inning. He's letting up home runs and he's got to get his home run rate down. No, absolutely. Jacob DeGrom was better. But in the postseason, Garrett Cole turned to a different pitcher. So game 162, game 162 of the regular season. Garrett Cole. In a must win, you would pick Garrett Cole. Yes. That's fine. Because until Jacob DeGrom proves me otherwise, Garrett Cole has shown time after time again in the postseason, he'll rise to that occasion. He absolutely has. PJ, we don't have to push that. Enough enough backlash oh. will develop from that. Where yeah, we can I'm just going to leave it as it is. It, Let that take it, out there. Let on. it sit. Backpedal. No, I, leave I, it on the bike. I, no. Get on I the bike. Go, <laughs> I'm not backpedaling. I want to go back to another point you made right. earlier. I didn't get to finish. You said the pivotal point of this series was game two. Yeah. Of that. No, I disagree. You know when this series was over? Game Seriously, five? And, no, going back <laughs> a month ago. When Aroldis Chapman throws at Brousseau's head for no reason, for no reason, and I and listen, the Rays have been punks. They're not. They're not off the. I'm not excusing them. They have been punks to the Yankees, and the Yankees have been just as equal to them too. There's bad blood there. But you are about to beat the Rays when they have absolutely stepped all over your face and throat all season long, and you have the audacity to throw at someone's head. And you don't throw it anyone's head in baseball. Listen, you just don't do it. You throw it their back if you want to hit someone. You throw it their knees. Even the knees is a little much. But you don't throw it someone's head. It's unwritten. You don't do it. They throw it this guy's head. And guess what happens? It sparks, you know, a fire under the Rays' ass for the rest of the year. And they come out the ne- very next day. Rousseau hits two home runs off the Yankees and absolutely embarrasses them. And if that's not bad enough, Guess what he does? He comes out game five and hits the game-winning home run off Chapman. That's when that series ended, when Chapman was a fool. And guess what? He's still going to face suspension next year, 2021, for that. So, all right, we're, we're kind of on it now, but what, where are you at on Chapman? I mean, I know, like, for having – for us, we are, we are known for right now the last two years of having a relief pitcher that cannot get you out of the ninth inning when you have oh, a lead. Oh, he's terrible, yeah. So – we talk about Chapman. I mean, Chapman, I just have it like right here to it. He's blown like three or four huge postseason games, not just with the Yankees. He blew uh game seven of the world series when he was with Chicago, when Rajay Davis, Davis hits a home run. Yeah. That's not talked enough about no. because the Cubs still won, but he blew a three right. run lead in the world series of game seven. Uh, what else do we have? We have last year's ALCS. Oh, uh, and boy, what a, you think Theo Epstein sleeps on that at night? He trades away Glaber Torres for Araldis Chapman. And people say, oh, well, they're not going to, you know, get on that. They won the World Series. They'll take that trade. Well, guess what? Chapman tried everything in his power to not get you a World Series. So how great is that trade? Really, how great is that trade for the Chicago Cubs when this guy almost cost you the World Series in Game I'm, 7? I'm always of the mindset of you you make your trades to win a World Series. If you win the World yeah. Series, I don't think your fans care. Like, no fan cares. No, I don't – I. Speaking as me, five years. if I'm if I'm a, if I'm a Cub fan, like I don't care. Like at the, in the moment, you don't give a shit about that. You don't give a shit that you wasted two hundred plus million dollars yeah. to Jason Hayward. Like no one, no Cubs fan, no Cubs fan cares that Glaber Torres is a New York Yankee. 
They it's waited 106 something. years for a World Series championship. They they are fine for probably the next That's decade your, That plus. is your generic fan. The real smart fans, they're going to look at that trade. I'm telling you. And it's a little different for you guys. And listen, your podcast audience is going to hate me for this, but you haven't won a World Series. Now, listen, we're in a drought. There's no, there's no denying it. In 09, I would have said to you, I don't care. Sell, sell everything. Whatever you got to do to win a World Series is win the World Series because they hadn't won a World Series since 2000, right? When they go out, they win a World Series in 09. And then, it, listen, that's the last time they won. It's 2020, and they're not going to win a World Series until at least 2021. And that's if they're lucky. No shit, John. But, you, but I'm take. saying here. Hot we, take. We've gone a decade. Hot take. The Yankees are going to win the World Series this year. The Yankees have gone a decade without winning a World Series. Oh, boo-hoo. It They've got, goes away. It they haven't even made away. an appearance. Right. But it goes away. <clears throat> that magic and that aura goes away. I get it. The Cubs won for the first time in over 100 years. That is huge. But Araldus Chapman didn't win them that World Series. He had nothing to do with it. He almost blew him and cost them that World Series. So do you want him closing games for your team yeah, next year? get off track on this. <laughs> no, and no, and listen, so Chapman, here's the thing about Chapman. He's a big presence in the clubhouse. You know, he brings an edge, whatnot. Um, yeah, because he hits women. He's a scumbag. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. He never, yeah, what an edge. Oh, he's so edgy. Oh, he abuses God. his family it, members. It, it, in fairness to him, in fairness to him, don't, <laughs> want to sl- don't slander him. He never uh, hit anyone. He did some other, and this is not excusing him. He did disgusting things. He did absolutely disgusting things, but he didn't hit anyone. So don't, you know, don't, I don't want to say that he did um, something that alleged. He did. Sorry, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, I allegedly hit someone, but I, I think it, involved, is confirmed scumbag. I believe, yes, he is. But uh, the story did, I don't, I think it didn't involve his fist, but more so a firearm to a wall in his garage. That was the story. Listen, I'm not saying that attempted is murder. So yeah, attempted yeah. murder. It went well, from yeah. hitting to attempted murder. I, so I, I, don't, I'm just, I don't know I'm just where your, your slant's coming from. All right. It's not, I'm just saying get the story right. All right, listen. Fairness. That's fair. Okay. Let, I want to wrap up here with we got four teams left. What happens at yeah. the end of this playoffs? John, take us home. <sighs> but actually, I want, actually, I have, I have one thing before that. Yeah. All right. I don't want to keep this guy forever. No, I know, no. This, this is, this no, is, this is what, this, this is, is what, this is what the playoffs. I'm genuinely uh, curious. As a, as a Yankee fan, you're seeing the Rays and the Astros and the, the ALCS. Yeah. Two teams that you fucking hate right now. Genuinely, who would you be rooting for? Like, who do you want to see go to the World Series in in the AL? Uh, you know, this. It, I like to think of it. It's almost like a equivalent of the Red Sox playing the Mets. For the Yankees, you know, and the Yankees Nets hatred is a little more on your end than it is on ours. I'll tell you that. But during the regular season, when we actually do play each other, I'd say it's equal. We hate you just as much as you hate us. And it's part because of you guys. You do a good job. Listen, I'll be the first to admit it. The seven line. It's cute. It's like the bleacher creatures. But oh, don't, you guys say, look- don't say it like that. They undermining son of a bitch. <laughs> they're, they're it's cute. cute. Fuck off. They do a good job. Just they give us a, a fucking answer. Who do you I'm want to go the to the World Series? You're like a fucking trampoline. Just who do you want? <laughs> bouncing all around. Fuck off, John. Just tell me. Razor Astros, one, one word. <laughs> who do I want to win the ALC? One word. Holy fuck. All right. Who do you want to win the World Series? 
I want the Braves to win the World Series. Okay. So you want yeah. a Braves Rays uh, World Series and you I want, want the a, Braves to win. I want a Braves Rays World Series also for the fact that it will be one of the lowest rated World Series and just to stick it to Rob Manfred. Because that guy, you want to get into a whole other argument, that guy's clueless. No, I don't no, want to keep you here any I don't, longer than we already no, have. I already oh. want you. I want you gone. I want listen, you gone, just like the Yankees are gone from the 2020 playoffs. Listen, I, I got two predictions, two things that are going to happen this offseason, all right? I came on here ready to go with this. I got two predictions. You watch it. It's going to happen. All right, make it quick. Number one, Grant, and this is this one has a little bit of a caveat, so just yep. remember this. If the Yankees I'm going to go grab a and, snack. If the Yankees and DJ LeMahieu do not come to terms on a contract – in the exclusive negotiating period, and he hits the open market, there will be a firestorm and a report that the Mets are considering DJ LeMahieu, and it's going to send the New York media into an absolute tizzy. But ultimately, he'll real sign with the Yankees, and it's just going to get your hopes up. Number two, the Yankees will start the 2021 season with Josh Hader as their closer. Oh, another scumbag. I right, just yeah, collect them all. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, forgot oh, about yeah. that. Oh yeah, I did forget about. It's not something how we forget about when athletes do terrible things. I mean, most people try not to, but yeah, a Yankee fans only care about you know tunnel vision. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, let me tell you something right now. Josh Hader is. If the Mets got Josh Hader right now, you wouldn't be doing cartwheels. We we discussed this on a, a previous podcast that I wouldn't trade all, as much as the Brewers want for Josh Hader. Nor would I no, sign for more was, than the two-year contract. That was ridiculous, but I was also in the middle of the season. You're hitting the offseason now. I think the hater talks are going to uh, open up. I do think the Yankees have a lot of pieces they're going to look to move. So that's why I did predict it. Hey, listen, it's a long shot. You know, it, that's what the offseason's for, make bold predictions. But the Mets, you have Edwin Diaz closing games. Dylan Batances is a free agent. Do you re-sign Batances? He has an he has, option. He has a club option. He's a club uh, option. Right. Not a club action player, player option, player option. It's a player option. So does the Batances take a year too? Uh, I, think, I think he does. The option's one year, 10 million. So he'd basically have to guarantee that he could get at least 13 million on the open market. And he was hurt all year. So probably not. Right. Okay. So you got Batances then. Is he your closer? Absolutely no. not. No? Who's he was your awful closer? Last year. D- Diaz, I, I've, I've talked my shit on oh, Edwin Diaz. Oh, but as I said, God. Uh, you love misery. You're a Browns fan and a Mets fan. You say, John, the Browns are four and one. Calm the fuck down. You're oh, 0 and five Jets fan. Calm down. I, I know what I am. Thank you very much. I got the Yankees to balance. Clearly here. not. But you don't have much of a line Another loser. to, to uh, talk about with the Browns historically. So here we go. So you're going to tell me that Edwin Diaz should be the closer for the Mets in 2021. How are you going to say that? I'm going to say it because he is. That's it. Oh, he, the guy has been worse than Chapman times I'm, 20. I'm not, not going to let you trigger me right now because we've had so much Edwin Diaz talk on this. I'm going to send you a whole stat sheet on what he did this year. Oh, and I don't get, and see, Jerk off whole, to it. That All right. is the whole other All right. thing. No, no, listen, this was, don't tell we have me less than We have Netflix. less than 30 seconds before the Zoom call ends. You've been oblivious All to right. it the whole time. We're wrapping up. This uh, was John. No, I got I got one last close. You have statement. 10 seconds. I got one last. Don't Go. talk to me about sabermetrics when you got the Yankees who are talking about the sabermetric kings, but they can't hit for average. It's about having average hitters in your lineup. 
You need to have some average hitters in your lineup. If you do sabermetrics only, you're feast or famine. And guess what? And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that was John. I feel like I need a drink just from like finishing talking to him for that long. Like I just like a shit ton of ball. I need a break. Absolutely exhausting. He really is. He's just absolutely mentally draining. It, uh, yeah. I, I hope you I hope our listeners like it because I don't want him back on. I actually hope they hate it. And then we could just give him all the negative feedback. Um, I'm just going to tell him there's negative feedback. So just a couple things. So just to fact check and talk about also everything John has said. Um, pretty sure about Chapman's uh, alleged situations. He has some flaws in there. We won't go too deep into that, but I don't think he's accurate. No. Um, he said Garrett Cole over to Grom for any start, including regular season, postseason, which that's not true. No. Um, what else? Do you have anything else that we were like, ooh, that's just is wrong? I don't. Uh, I don't agree with the Brian Cashman take either. By the way, I don't know. I mean, I'm not entrenched enough in the in the Yankees going comings and goings to know if Brian Cashman actually is making those decisions. But I do know that I mean, we've seen with the Mets that the GM meddles in kind of the manager's role. So it it could be it, but I don't know if that's the case for for this. And you could also easily make a drinking game out of that uh, that of that interview. If you play it from the beginning, every single time John refers to him as Booney mm. instead of Aaron Boone, take a shot and then dead. please don't take a shot. I don't want give, to die. give us an update about how that went, because I guarantee if we could do a Booney count on that, he had to have said Booney like eight or nine times. Like acting as Sounds if they weird. were friends. Booney. Yeah, his, his old pal. Booney. People, old yeah, pal, he, hey. Hey, me and my me and my buddy Booney over there are gonna uh, go play some hoops. Yankee fans refer to him as Booney. I've never heard it once. That's cringeworthy. I hope it's just him and he's just a fucking outlier. Don't ever Booney. Booney's a bad. No. All right. Also, something that like we didn't talk about with John um, that I feel like we should mention. I know it's a Yankee stat, but they lost, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Giancarlo Stan actually threatened Daniel Murphy's home run record. Uh, he fell one game shy. He hit five home. He hit five playoff games in a row with a home run. Daniel Murphy did it uh, with six back in 2015. But I mean, there was a little moment where we're like, "Ooh, like that would really suck if he took away if the Mets took away a Yankee home run record and now the Yankees took one back from the Mets. That'd be kind of interesting. But luckily, it didn't happen. Daniel Murphy gets to keep that. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really realize it until like after it stopped. Yeah, like I, I saw it happen. Like, oh, Carl John Carlos tearing it up, and then like I saw like oh five straight games. I was like, wait, oh shit, Daniel Murphy has the record on that. I just like for some reason it just it just completely went over my head that that was a thing. But just in terms of talking about John Carlos Stanton's uh, home runs, some of them I thought were like absolute pop ups, but they just turned out to be bombs. So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if you noticed that too, or is that just me? Juice those baseballs, baby. I hate it. Juice them. Yeah. All right. So, also talking about the, our uh, our beloved New York Yankees, uh, there was a report out on Twitter that I did not necessarily enjoy that the New York Yankees are going to be interested in trying to pursue JT Rilamuto. Um, First off, I don't even know how 
they have that kind of money. Hopefully we can find out that lifestyle in this off season, how we can have that kind of money. Um, because like Garrett Cole makes like $36 million. Um, Giancarlo Stanton's salary is over 25 million. Like all these contracts they have are just like absolutely ridiculous. And you haven't paid Aaron judge yet. No. And you're going to have to pay Aaron judge if you really want to keep him as the cornerstone of the franchise. So JT put out his quote unquote price tag. Um, it's high. This is what I was going to ask you. Um, it came out. He wants 200 million and he's the, the facts are he's a, he's a 30 year old catcher. The best bet, the best catcher in baseball, but he's 30 years old. He wants 200 million. And you assume that on a $200 million contract, you're it's going to be seven, eight years. So my question to you is for the Mets, do you give him that contract? All right. I want to answer your question. So no, no, I don't give him that contract. Um, I'll throw in like my own little like twist slightly on it. Wanting $200 million and getting $200 million is something completely different. Mm -hmm. And we're not in the off season yet. So why not just start off and see what you can get bid wise when you're like, Hey, like what kind of contract are you looking for? I'm looking for $200 million, eight years. Like, that's great, but that might not be your market. Like you said, you're a 30 year old catcher, best catcher in baseball, but you are 30 years old and you have a slight hip problem right now. Um, I really think he's going to be more in like the five one fifty range, five one forty five range. I don't think anyone's going to give a catcher a seven year contract. And if, if, if it is progressing towards that, like I know we have uncle Stevie's money, but I'd rather them go elsewhere. Like I, I really do believe the number one free agent that this team should be pursuing is Trevor Bauer. And I don't know where you are on that. See, I, the, the number one guy in my book is real Muto, but like eight years, 200 million is a commitment to say the least. And if he were 26, I'd be like, fuck it, do it. 30 they said he's, he's already dealing with a little injury problem. So that's not what you want to hear. Being a 30 year old catcher, you're only going to get uh, have a few more years out of his uh, peak. So I don't know if I would do that, but I also don't think he's going to get that contract. Like you said, he's going to end up more in the five one fifty range. And if that's, and that's the case, I give that to him, you know, with, with the caveat, maybe you get like a, like a club option on that fifth year or some sort of option. I don't know if he'll go for that, but I think, I think anywhere, I think it's more the years I'm worried about than the money. I really would like, and this is slightly off topic. I would love for MLB baseball to fix their free agency process. Like the NFL hot stove is so much fun. NBA hot stove is pretty fun. Like they're all pretty fast paced and like it happens within like a week or two. And it's like a really, really exciting time span. Major league baseball's off season and hot stove drags so far out. And like, you kind of know, like the longer that these guys sit, they're con like not that they get cheaper, but they get a little bit cheaper. But like you see, like guys like Bryce Harper signed like what like late February or mid February that year he signed his massive contract. And like Machado. and like yeah, they all signed so late. The off season starts like first day of like November or like first week of November, and we waited three months for the two superstar free agents to sign a contract. See, I think that's more of a recent thing because I don't like that didn't happen. I, even like three, four years ago, it was, that was more that the, what's it called? The bigger, I'm trying, I'm trying, trying to think of the, the right words, but uh, that was more of a CBA type thing 
where the the teams didn't want to sign these guys because they knew some other guys were coming out later or they had to sign these uh, sign their players. So I don't know if that's like a major free agent uh, thing. I'm, I'm not saying my words right here. The, the problems with the MLB offseason, I think, are more recent than they are a consistent thing. So I don't necessarily 100% agree on your take here, but I will say that NBA and NFL free agency is that more was exciting. so polite. That was like the politest way you could have just worded that. I'm a nice where, you're, guy. where you're like, I just want you to know that I don't agree with your take. That was like you let me down so <laughs> sweet. I was so like I don't even I don't even care. Like that was so nice. Like I it's not I, one argument. I'm just a nice guy. I appreciate it. I appreciate that you let me down in that format. I, that was so nice. You're welcome, buddy. I you know what I'm gonna change my take. I agree with your take because how, I told you this. How I win arguments. I'm just a nice person. I don't have a take anymore. Your take is our take as a whole. We are a, that is a communal take now. Good. I'm glad. Pat, I'm glad we can come to this uh, this agreement. Pat, do you, you agree? Get into our list. Yeah, I mean, it was very nice. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I got a random thing. It's just a one sentence, and then we can get into this list. Uh, David Wright, congratulations. <laughs> he had a son named Brooks David Wright, uh, future third baseman of the New York Mets, probably 2030, 2039? 2039. I'd say more 2039. 2030, yeah. he, we're not going to have a 10-year-old yeah, so third baseman. Yeah, so 2039, uh, Brooks David Wright, future Mets third baseman. Congratulations to the uh, Wright family, who I'm sure they all listen to this uh, religiously. Uh, good we friend did David. Do, yeah, good friend David. Um, all right, so we made a list this week like we did last week. This topic was uh, we each had the name five players who played for the New York Mets and their careers blossomed after they left the New York Mets. Um, okay. How do you want to do this? Do you want to go like one for one? I want to go 1v1. I want to go one-on-one. All right. I don't like that, but we can do that. Well, I was very nice last time, so I feel like here, I should get my way. Here's here's the thing with my list, and I want to already get out in front of this. I don't think mine's in a particular order. So mine's okay. just kind of like, and I know that's not a list. That's, that's not just a list. five that's names. So I'm going to do my best to throw it in a particular order as we go. Uh, so my list might suck. Okay. But so with that being said, I would said, like to go first. I was going to say, I want you to go first. I would like to go first. Thank you. For number five on um, my, my list of players who have blossomed after they've left the New York Mets, I said Daniel Murphy. Okay. I, uh, do I have to elaborate or can yeah, I just say I, the I'll name? Talk about it a little bit more. I mean, he basically almost won a fucking MVP like the year after he left the Mets, and he was just a juggernaut in DC for like two or three years. So I I thought about uh, Daniel Murphy, and I I left him off my list. He's in my honorable mentions here. I left him off my list just because he was actually good on the Mets. So I'm like, he he excelled afterwards, but he was still good. So I was like, all right, all right fine. Uh, my number five uh, actually kind of just breaks the rules because he hasn't done anything yet, but it's Jared Kalenic because he is just going to be a fucking star and I will never get over it. I hate that one. I'm sorry. All right. See? Nice. I, That's not one argument. Good. All right. Uh, my number <laughs> my number four uh, is Scott Cashmere. I also had Scott Cashmere. Did you? Yes. I was so proud of that one. Yeah, Scott Cashmere, Generation K protege. I like Cashmere. Um, my number four is uh, Heath Bell. A blast from the past. Guy who actually, Heath Bell was really good on the Padres for those few years. 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just want to say Heath Bell. It's a stretch. All right. Um, all right. So this is my number three. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a little bit of a recency bias on my list. Um, my, my number three is Justin Turner. Uh, Justin Turner has turned into the everyday third baseman for the Dodgers for like the past like five years. And he's just been a stud. As we said before, like he has the most postseason hits in Dodgers fucking history. Like he's just been so consistent for him. He got a nice payday. Like he's had such a great, great career that we would have signed up for at third base every single day if we could have, if we knew this is what he would have been. He just really needed more playing time on the Mets. Like you said, you, you, we, we had, you, you stated that you advocated for the Mets to play him more. Um, and I totally agree because what he's doing now is all-star level. He's been an all-star. So I had him on my list too. He's my number two, but my number three, which I'm assuming is also on your list. Uh, it's Travis Darno. Travis Darno is, we said, we said it before he's fucking killing it, but it's also still been like that's smallish one year. So I couldn't put him, I couldn't put him ahead of Justin Turner because Turner's been doing it longer, but fucking man, he's killing it. There's not really much more to say. We said it a little bit before, but uh, Travis is number two on my list. So I, I, I really, I got nothing there. So if you just want to say your two and then I'll give you my one. I said my two is Justin Turner. All right, good. I was paying attention. All right, number one for me, best Met ever to blossom. I feel like we have the same one. Yeah, I have Nolan Ryan. I had Nolan Ryan too. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's not really much to say. Nolan Ryan's literally one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He did win a World Series with the Mets, and he dominated out of the bullpen for them when he came out in those games. Uh, he had like a really, really good relief start uh, or relief appearance in the 1969 World Series. Uh, that's way before our time, unfortunately, but I also am very self-aware to how fucking nasty Nolan Ryan is. So, Nolan Ryan is one of the best pitchers of all time. He holds the MLB record for most strikeouts in a career. He's a 300-game winner. Like, he's the fucking dominant. And, you know, I, get, I bet if I was, like, alive and a fan at that time, I would be more angry that Nolan Ryan, that we got rid of Nolan Ryan. But, like, I just wasn't alive or close to being alive at that time, so I can't get his mad. But I can acknowledge that he's probably the best Met to blossom after uh, leaving the team. Uh, Pat, what do you got for this? Uh, Mets that blossomed after they left the Mets. Yep. I'll give you uh, did Mike Piazza ever leave the Mets? He did. He did. He, he went to the Padres. Mike Piazza. That's been the number yeah. one pick. Yeah. All right. That's good. You know, also, I also had my, my honorable mentions. I, I had three. I had the, the Casimir Murphy. I had Melvin Mora. You're Melvin Mora on the, on the Orioles. I, I honestly, I, I don't think I do. Melvin Mora was, I'm going to look up his, his stats right now because I know Pat won't. I'm making a boomerang. Why are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. What uh, do you do? What do you do here? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Melvin Moore was a two-time All-Star on the Orioles with uh, a few 27 home run seasons and multiple 100 RBI seasons. So to say that he uh, blossomed and not in the Mets is a, a little bit of an understatement, but a little bit of a, uh, a name that I remember from just being a fan in the early 2000s or late 2000s, mid-2000s, the 2000s. PJ, can I, do a, can I pull back the curtain real quick? Yeah. All right, so here's me pulling back the curtain. Uh, when we were back my curtain. When we were off air, uh, Pat told us that he was trying to look up that um, 
Kiki, Kiki Hernandez. He was trying to figure out how many postseason hits he had. And then he was convinced probably for a solid five minutes that Clayton Kershaw had more postseason hits than Kiki, Kiki Hernandez. And he said the amount was over a hundred postseason hits for Clayton Kershaw, not hits allowed hits. Like he physically hit over a hundred hits when the, when Justin Turner is number one for like, with like 64 ever, do you want to say anything it, about it that? Li- Pat? No, it literally on the MLB website, it says that he has 139 hits in his postseason career. And it's his batting stats. Pat, I don't know. And he, and he has, that, three, if you can get he has three stolen bases, too. Pat, you, if you see that and get confused, just common sense says that that's just not true, especially when we throw out the stat that the most I mean, the Dodgers have you, is, you guys what, is it 62 get, for Justin Turner. You guys gab about what? stats all the time. And you think I, you guys are, oh, he's like a 285 batting average, uh, 80 home runs, and two stolen bases. And you're like, that's good. St-. I don't know what good stats are. One thirty nine. think our pitcher? producer's going to be listening. Pat, give me, your, it's not, it's give me your. It's not even one. Give me your ideal stat line. I think if you're batting over three hundred, if you uh, if you have in a season, if you have a hundred a hundred hits in a season and like twenty home runs, you're a good player. <laughs> is that is that correct? Is that <laughs> I know the average is high. But like, how many hits do you usually? How how much did is you, an did average you, MLB player? There, all get? right, all right, hold on. Let me. I'll give you something. There's 162 games in the season. Oh, I should have thought of that. All right, so <laughs> hit hits wise, then because not every player gets a hit. So 150 hits in a season is that okay. is that is that better? It's a better than 100. Like, was it an MVP player? They they bet over 300 and they hit 150? 100, 150 hits is probably not an MVP player. It's probably it's probably up slightly above average player. A guy who leads the league in hits th- is going to hit over, like, 200-something hits. Oh, wow. I think I'm thinking of RBIs. I think that's why, because I know... Uh, yeah, you are. RBIs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So RBIs is, like, a, a benchmark, like, a really good year. But that's, I mean, also, like, whip and rar. Not that's rar, pitching. war. No, we're not war, talking about Monday war, war, not war. I'm having a stroke. I'm sorry. Just continue talking. I'm really know. upset that you took your sweatshirt off because again, you moved your arm in a weird so, way. I was, <laughs> I was sweating. I could. I can't. Fire. I can't put a fan on either. All right. So let's wrap this up. Uh, I do got a fun segue into this though. And if you were on Twitter at all over the last week, I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. For some reason, like every fucking Twitter account in the world decided it was like drop or at random athlete below. Uh, ESPN's account did it. Baseball America did it. The Athletic did it. MLB Player Association did it. And then like a lot of random ass teams were like, drop your favorite like relief pitcher. I don't know like if it was like a national random player day or whatever, but everyone was doing it. So it was kind of like a fun day on Twitter to see some of the, the random names being dropped. Um, so we always do this, though, on this on these airwaves, we do Copy random met of the week, and we're going to do random met of the week again right now. And PJ, please tell us who the random met of the week is. So random met of the week this week is a player on random might not be the word, a very good player for the Mets. It's Addison Reed. Now, Addison Reed, as we all remember, was on the, was on the uh, 2015 or he was in that that era of Mets where they were actually in the playoffs and good. Brian, we've mentioned Addison Reed. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast. We've definitely talked about Addison Reed. You're you're a big fan of Addison Reed. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I love Addison Reed. I think honestly, right now, I don't know if this is a hot take or like a 
an honest one. I think Addison Reed is probably like a top three reliever. If you're looking at the Mets over the last 10 years, like he's probably one of those top three names that you would say, I mean, would you disagree with that? I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, I'm looking at his stats right now for the, with the Mets in his three years, which is kind of two years. Cause he played two half seasons, but he had a 2.09 ERA with the Mets and a basically a one whip. He was fucking dominant out of the bullpen. Yeah, nothing else to add. Or I, sometimes you, you froze again. This, this happens it, every episode. It's always random men of the week too. Ah, uh, I because I he always catches me <laughs> off guard. I, I think he's gonna go on like a tangent and then he he just stops short and then I I freeze. Kind of threw stats at you. Yeah, and I I pulled a pat. I, this the numbers frightened me. Okay, yikes. Um, but do you have anything else on Addison Reed? No, I really like him. I hope he's doing well. Hope he has a healthy life. I actually don't know what, what he's up to right now. I don't think he's in the league anymore. Wasn't he with I the a, Twins? I have a stupid question if I can ask it. Uh, yeah, why not? We're at this is, point of the is, podcast. Is David Wright officially retired? Uh, yes. No, he's on the active team. I know you're you, – no, he's not. No, he, I, he's I've, retired. I have no stats, but okay. – He is retired. Uh, he is a advisor to the front office – which basically means like they just gave him like a little cush job where he can like randomly be like, I like that. And they'll be like, that's great, David. And then they'll do whatever they want anyway. Um, also, shout out David Wright. Hot week for the guy. Has a son. And uh, he's releasing a book with Anthony DeComo called The Captain, which him and Anthony co-wrote. I'm, so, not, a, I'm not a book reader because I'm not a nerd. But I yep. kind of want to read that. Uh, David said in an interview that there is at least 20 photos. So I'd be interested in buying the book to look at the 20 photos. Mm. Yeah, 19 away. photos, I would be out. But I'd, re- I'd read the back. Number. I'll read the back. Uh, read the I have I have up the the trade that the Mets uh, did for Addison Reed with the training to the Red Sox. Do you know who they traded him for? Who? So the Mets traded him to the Red Sox? Yeah, so the 2017 deadline. And who they got back for Addison Reed. I don't think you'll remember this because it was not a memorable trade, but I'm just looking at him. Like, I see the names. Like, I hate these guys because they stink. How many are they on the active team? No, n- none of them are on the team anymore. Mm, I position player, reliever, pitchers, pitchers. Drew one Smith. Of, one of them. No, if, Drew Smith if, was, Drew was no, Luke Duda. Fuck. I don't know. Yeah. So it was uh, Steven Nagosik. Wasn't getting that. Yeah, I don't think I didn't think you were getting any of these. I just saw this and I was like, oh fuck, I forgot that. And the other was a uh, Gershon Batista, who we in turn traded for Edwin Diaz. Look at that. Full circle. Yeah, full circle. Uh PJ, wrap us up here. Get us out of here. Yeah. So as always, that was episode twelve. Thank you for listening. Uh if you want to consume more of our content, uh you can follow us on Twitter at Scoop Big Man Pod. What a weird word. Consume. Consume. Yeah, I don't like that. Are they, they going to? they going to eat us? Have you never heard consume like their, their con- content? Pat, put your mouth over the mic right now. Consume it. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Good. To, Thank I you. Add, I might add that out. No, leave that. No, I'll leave that in. <laughs> you left in your fucking weird ass fact last week. And that was the equivalent of We're that. Not, I don't want to even touch that again. I'm yeah, that's on you. Tri- I'm triggered. But you know what you can do? You can follow us on Instagram also at Scooter Big Man Pod and on TikTok at Scooter Big Man Pod as well. Uh, Pat is going to be making videos again, I think. Maybe. Who knows? After this last week, and then I'm full-time with you boys. Don't worry. After this week. Well, we'll see about that. But, uh, yeah, so 
a weird episode with a, a bad guest. Um, Brian, you have anything else to add? No, I just, I'm really tired of Pat. He's got to shave those armpits. That's all Let's I got. Let's get it started yeah. in here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Don't have is the New York Yankees. But we, what we do got, we got someone real special. We got somebody named John. I can't fucking do this. No, no, I'm out on that. I'm not making an exact decision. That was awful. You know, you sound like the, the grandma from. Uh, from SpongeBob, were they selling? Oh, they're, they're selling, selling chocolate. chocolate. They're selling chocolate. You, got, oh, you know chocolate. what are they selling? We got a very special guest. <laughs> Pat, 